0: Thank you for that. I appreciate that, brother. I don't know that I ever heard that song, to be honest with you. But a great message in that song. And, you know, sometimes I do think about that. We're in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter number 12, as you're turning there. But you you think, know that I've ever heard somebody say, I did too much for the Lord. I I don't think you ever hear that. And I, I think when you're standing before God, just like the song and the message in the song is, we'll wish that we had done a little more. We'll wish that we had given a little more. We'll wish that we had been a little more obedient uh, to God and his word. And so I appreciate the message in that song. Uh, Revelation chapter number 12. Last week, I barely mentioned the figures that are introduced in chapter number 12. I just gave you a little bit. And uh, we're going to go through chapter 12 this evening, Lord willing, and get through it all. And I'd like to expound a little bit further on them and uh, and just kind of give you some um, some reasons behind some of this and, and look at Revelation chapter 12. It is kind of a, uh, a key to uh, the book of Revelation and, and some of the ways that uh, we interpret and look at some of these things in chapter 12 really decides uh, how the rest of the book falls. And so it becomes a very important Important chapter in the Book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number twelve and verse number one, the Bible says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God and they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score threescore. Days. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house. And, Father, to study your word. And, God, I pray that you'd give us... Um, Uh, hearts and minds to understand your word and and father I pray that you would use me I pray father that you'd speak through me as we uh, desire to study the book of Revelation and understand it God I pray that you'd open our minds of understanding and help us to learn father from your word and God will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done in Jesus precious name we pray Amen. Uh, as we look at this chapter, uh, again, let me just jump back to chapter 11 and verse number 19 as, as really, uh, I feel like that dumps into chapter 12. And the Bible says in verse chapter number 11 and verse 19, just the verse prior to 12, it says, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. And we talked about that last week in, in rather great detail. So I don't want to revisit that. But I did find this uh, that, that was very interesting as I was reading over many things and studying Of course, these passages and uh, that little phrase opened in heaven. It was pointed out to me that uh, uh, that that phrase is used four times throughout the book of Revelation. And it's very fascinating to see it. It's, of course, used here, uh, but it's also used in Revelation chapter number four. If you want to go back with me, we'll just look at them. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them, but I felt it was worth pointing out and uh, just observing these different uh, sections, if you will, of the book of Revelation. And so in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1, we find the Bible says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, "Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter." Obviously, the chapter four is a great division in the book. It becomes very apparent as the first three chapters uh, were really deal with the church, and we know that we walked through them, and uh, and what great chapters. But then a-, a change happens in chapter four, and we see the rapture and that of the church. Uh, those who are saved, being called up out of this world. And there's where we get that from the, uh, the, the, the trumpet talking with me and come up hither. But it's fascinating to note that a door was opened in heaven. And that starts a new segment in the book of Revelation because then he starts to talk about uh, those horses and all of those uh, seals and all of those things. And that kind of kicks off a division there in chapter 11 and verse number 19. That's the next reference. Uh, And he says there in chapter 11 and verse 19, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And so uh, we have that remembrance of Israel. Uh, And the thought turns there, because the temple, uh, by and large, biblically, is associated with the nation of Israel. Israel. Uh, praise the Lord, we don't have a temple. We don't have to come to a temple. We don't have to offer sacrifices. Jesus was our sacrifice, and we thank God for that. And so uh, we find that temple uh, in association with the nation of Israel. Uh, Look with me in chapter number 15, and verse number 5. This is looking forward uh, in the book of Revelation. It says in Revelation 15, and verse number 5, It says, and after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And, uh, and this kind of marks those last, uh, those last vials that will take place in the book of Revelation. And so we find a marking of time there uh, as it's opened in heaven. Uh, then lo- notice this in chapter 19 in verse number 11. And we're just looking at this phrase, opened in heaven. It says in chapter 19 in verse number 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful, and true and in righteousness he, th- he doth judge and make war and we find there uh, boy that that white horse man wh- that what a what a day that will be uh, that is the coming of the Lord the final the closing and we find that that will usher in the glorious millennial kingdom uh, and, and that's how I, um, Ironside describes it but I just want you to notice those four markings of time there's opened in heaven and uh, and you kind of note those scriptures And and it's fascinating to look at those uh, as just part of the book of Revelation. And if you want to put it this way, it's kind of like a curtain being drawn. Every time an act closes and the curtain is drawn, uh, and then then they open back up and a new scene, a new backdrop, a new thing uh, that is taking place. And so those kind of mark uh, divisions that take place throughout the book of Revelation. Let's get into these characters back with me in in chapter number 12. So I want to point that out because I found that fascinating. And there's there's really more things than we have time to get into. And we will not run down every rabbit trail. But these are main characters... And so we see the uh, the curtains open and close there with the openings of the uh, the the scenes there in heaven, and then we notice here in chapter twelve uh, these characters, and uh, and I want us to talk about this again and, and really nail these down. And I want to start with the man-child because it starts off there as we read uh, the woman that is in heaven. Uh, but but in order to help us establish who the woman is, let's establish who the man-child is, because that to me is a little more obvious. Uh, It's not so hard to figure out. And and we can take some things here. And uh, in verse number five, it talks about the man child. It says in verse number five, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And so we see here uh, some very references. Now, if you just had to read that and say, boy, I'm, uh, who is that? Um, generally speaking, you're going to say that's Jesus Christ. And, uh, and you would be accurate. That's my belief, uh, is that it is Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I want to look at a few things. Uh, that we can understand this man-child. Uh, you understand that in Genesis chapter three and verse number fifteen is really the first prophetic reference to a savior that would come. I know we've looked at that in the past, uh, but it's the first one because it says, uh, "and and his seed or her seed shall bruise his head." Talking about that serpent, the uh, boy that's referenced right here uh, in verse nine, that old serpent. Uh, and and so who is that? Well, that's Jesus Christ. And the nation of Israel had no problem understanding that prophetic reference. And there were many more, by the way. That wasn't exclusive. That was not the only one. But I do want to point this out, that in Genesis chapter 4, in verse number 1, the Bible says this, Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Even then, they were looking for a Savior. She was excited. She said, Hey, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Uh, and thinking, uh, understand, they didn't have Isaiah, they didn't have all those scriptures, but they did know this. There was a promise clearly given in Genesis 3:15 that hey, there would be a savior that would come. And so the nation of Israel was very aware of that. Matter of fact, uh, all the prophecies that would come, that was even before the nation of Israel. But Adam and Eve were even very aware of that. Uh, But as time marched on, there were Way too many prophetic references to a coming Messiah, uh, and, and time would just not allow us to look at them all. Obviously, we know one. We quote this one in, in Christmas time Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. Boy, they were looking for that. It was well known. There's many prophetic references. We could go on and on with all the references, but suffice it to say that that in the Old Testament, those who believed in God, those who read his word, were looking forward to a coming Messiah. And and we need to understand that. It was very clear. They were looking for that man-child. Uh, It had been prophesied. Notice this in our text in Revelation chapter 12. In verse number 4, the the very last phrase, it's talking about... Well, we'll read the whole verse there. Uh, Chapter 12 and verse 4. It's talking about the dragon. And his tail drew the third part of the stars to heaven and did cast them to the earth. and And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child... As soon as it was born. If there's one target that the devil has wanted to destroy since Genesis chapter number 3, it is that coming Messiah. That's who he's against. That's who he hates. That's who he has always been against. It has always been a vie for power uh, of that Savior. Listen, it's not a coincidence that the Bible says that the Spirit of God led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted and the devil tempted him. Why? Because that serpent, the dragon, wanted nothing more than to destroy the Savior. You ever thought about the extreme um, the, ex- the, the extremeness of King Herod killing all the babies that were two years old and under? That's extreme. Obviously, you don't do that in a democratic place where you're being voted in. You're not going to get voted in the next time around. He, he was a king. Uh, he didn't care about a vote. But, uh, but that's extreme. What is that all about? Hey, that is about the devil trying to destroy the Messiah. It goes far greater than just Herod trying to keep his kingdom and hearing word of a king being born. Uh, that That is a spiritual warfare that has been taking place for thousands of years as the devil was waiting to devour and destroy that man child. And, and of course, we see God's hand uh, on that. And listen, Satan's desire has been that. Uh, you, you trace through Scripture. It's been said many a times. There's a scarlet thread that runs all through Scripture. And boy, there is there's there's the uh, I've got a chart in in one of my Bible programs that I use, and uh, it, it has it has all the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's got all the lineage really of the Bible in it, and several of them branch off and it just kind of dies out. but it, it's got primarily the the lineage of Jesus Christ and it's amazing to track that thing all the way through. I, I love a picture because a picture worth a thousand words. And, and, uh, and, and man, that thing is incredible to look at how that lineage tracks all the way back. It tracks Mary and it tracks Joseph's lineage all the way back. But understand this, that um, the first person that was killed in the Bible, Abel, in, in Genesis chapter 4, was the first shepherd. And, and listen, Eve said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. In other words, wow, you know, she was saying, hey, maybe she didn't have all the prophecy. Maybe this is, maybe is, this is the Messiah that is to come. I mean, she was already looking for it. And, and uh, listen, Satan is not omniscient. He does not know everything. And isn't it fascinating that the, uh, the first person murdered was a shepherd uh, in our Bible uh, in Abel, uh, just trying to destroy anything that has to do with righteousness. Well, you trace that all the way through, you get up to Abraham and, and Sarah. Boy, what a marvelous, incredible Bible truth. I hate to say story because it makes it sound fictitious, but a historical fact that Abraham and Sarah in their 90s did not have a child. And God said, hey, I am going to make of you a great nation. Greater than just the nation of Israel, though the nation of Israel is great. He's talking, man, it's going further than that. And, and, And listen, their son Isaac was born. And boy, if you don't think uh, that there was that spiritual warfare, I'm just telling you it was taking place. And it's an undercurrent throughout the entire scripture as you read through your Bible. uh, Boy, there's just all kinds of fascinating things as you read through there. But the Bible tells us this in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 4. It says this, but when the fullness of time was come. Boy, I love that. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Boy, that day that the Lord came, and came with the purpose of being the Savior of the world and uh, and what a great day. I'm just saying that there was a man child that was expected and, and there was a spiritual warfare to destroy uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and even the lineage and even the line and, and to mar that up. But God made sure that everything would play out just as he wanted. I want you to notice this, not only that those two things, uh, the the fact that he was a man child and the fact that uh, there was this spiritual warfare against the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice this as well. It's It says in in verse number five, in Revelation 12, five, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Go with me to Psalms chapter number two. Save your spot there in Revelation. We'll be back. Psalms chapter number two. I want you to notice this as this scripture really goes well with it. Psalms chapter number two. We're talking about the rod of iron and ruling. Psalm chapter number two. And we'll start in verse number 7. Psalm 2, 7. The Bible says this, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and i shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession thou shalt break them with a rod of iron thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel and uh, and it certainly points to a rod of iron that will rule and there are, there are many verses that talk about that uh, as Christ being the, uh, the ruling with that rod of iron. There's other verses that we could look at, but understand this, that I believe from the evidence from Scripture that uh, this man-child that was born uh, becomes very apparent to me as the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so with that being stated, understanding that that man-child is Christ, then let's go back and look at the woman in verse in chapter number 12. And I'm going I'm to give you a few things that, that are, that are uh, what it is not. But look with me in verse number 1 and 2. The Bible says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. Um, let me just mention this because this was pointed out too, that there are four women referred to in the book of Revelations. One is uh, Jezebel. In chapter 2, you'll remember that we saw that. Uh, Israel here in chapter 12, and we'll look at that. Uh, And then the harlot that is mentioned in chapter number 17. But then the bride of Christ that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 19, uh, verses 7 and 8. You can mark those down. Uh, Just a fascinating fact of the book of Revelation that those are all mentioned and uh, and interesting. Now, in chapter 12, uh, there are some who believe that this woman is Mary. And and I want to just give a few um, arguments against that. Now, with that being said, understand that Mary did bring Jesus into the world. I'm not questioning that at all. Okay, uh, I Mary the Mary did bring Jesus into this world. Jesus is God. He is the Savior. That is Christ. That is the same person. Uh, but but for better for more for. I'll show you other reasons why I do not believe this passage specifically uh, is Mary first of all in verse number one it says um, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars and uh, and and Mary we of course do not worship Mary all right uh, you would know that you would understand that uh, but but Mary uh, was a sinner used by God. That's what the Bible teaches us. And we understand that. And really, uh, there's, she, was never, she never wore a crown. We don't find that in Scripture anywhere. God blessed her, yes. God used her, yes. There's no doubt. There's no question about that. Uh, but there was never a crown placed upon her head. And, uh, and so I think that's one of the reasons uh, that, that this does not stand for Mary. And, and we have to be careful. I read several other arguments of people that, that said, well, I don't think it's Mary because of this and that and this and that. You've got to be real careful because Mary did bring Jesus into the world. And when you refute uh, some of those things, it's almost like you're slighting Jesus. And so you've got to be very careful about that, in my opinion. And I won't even give them to you because uh, I don't necessarily agree with them. Uh, and I think it's too close. But I think that's one. Verses 5 and 6, I want you to notice this. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's fine. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. We're fine with that. Verse number six, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, and they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. Now I have a problem with that because that leaves Mary uh, fleeing into the wilderness, and some will say, "Well, she did, did not God send her into uh, into Egypt to protect her baby, and 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 God did send her away." But listen. Uh, she didn't flee into the wilderness for a thousand, it gives us a date, it gives us a specific number. And that doesn't fit the life of Mary either. So she doesn't wear a crown, that doesn't fit our 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 picture. She did not flee into the wilderness for this amount of days, and so that does not fit our picture. And, and it starts to fall apart. And I understand the natural narrative of why people would think it's Mary, because after all, we do believe that, that it, we're talking about the Savior. And we do believe that Mary brought Jesus Christ into the world. And so we understand that. But I'm telling you from the picture, uh, it doesn't fit. And you end up having to do too much finagling to make it Mary. Let me tell you this as well. I don't believe it's talking about the church. Um, now, a lot of good people believe that it's talking about the church. I don't believe it's talking about the church. And, and I'll give you a few reasons why. The first and foremost is, is this becomes clear and evident. The church did not bring Jesus into the world. We didn't do that. Um, he came and, and started the church. And so, therefore, the church could not bring, could not be the pregnant woman to bring Jesus into the world. So that, that blows that scenario out of the water, in my opinion, that just doesn't fit. Um, and, and so I have a problem with that being the church. Uh, amongst other things, uh, that is the first and foremost argument that I would throw out and say, hey, that does not fit the narrative and it causes a problem. Uh, I, I believe the narrative fits very well as Israel being this woman uh, that brought forth this baby. And why do I think that? I think that because we're looking at a big picture here. We're not looking at the specifics of Mary's life. We're looking at a much broader spectrum. We're stepping way back from this picture, and we're we're observing all of it. And this timeline is written down for us. Let me just give you a few reasons why I believe it's Israel. Uh, One, notice here in in, um, uh, verse number... I didn't write it down, but I know it's right here. Let's go back to verse number 2. I think it's in here as well. No, it's definitely in verse number 2. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. Let me just give you two scriptures. There's other scriptures, but I'll just give you two. You can jot them down. Isaiah 66, verse number 7 Says, before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. And uh, so that's Isaiah 66 and verse number 7. Jeremiah 13 and verse number 21, and I encourage you to go back and look them up and read them. Uh, Jeremiah 13, 21. What wilt thou say when he shall punish thee, for thou hast taught them to be captains, and as chief over thee shall not sorrows take thee as a woman in travail? And then go with me to Micah chapter number 4. And I want you to see one other one, Micah chapter number 4. And so we see that those are describing really the nation of Israel. They're not prophetic portions to Mary. But really they deal with the nation of Israel as, as, as having this travail and being brought forth as child. They're pictures in the Old Testament that are given in representation to the nation of Israel. In Micah chapter number 4, give you a moment to find it there. And I'll give you two books, Nahum and uh, Jonah. Doesn't that help you out a lot? Those are two books that are really easy to flip over. It's in the minor prophets. I'd give you the page number, but it's not going to help you. Uh, Go to Micah and, and just keep flipping through there. You'll find it. It'll pop up. Micah chapter number four verse number 8, and I just want to read this portion down through verse number 13, and it's a little bit lengthy, but I just want you to see it because it really fits in uh, with the rod of iron, it fits in with uh, being in travail, and it goes hand in hand with all of this. Micah chapter number 4 and verse number 8, the Bible says, and thou, O tower of the flock, The stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why dost thou cry out aloud, Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail." "...be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail, for now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon, there shalt thou be delivered, there the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies." Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, let her be defiled and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel, for he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, I will make thy... Hoofs, brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many pieces, or many people, excuse me, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. And so you kind of see a broad picture there given of the nation of Israel and much prophecy in, re- in reference to uh, even that picture of a woman being in travail and being in pains unto birth. And so uh, go back with me to Revelation. And uh, I believe that this, uh, this, this woman in travail is in definite reference uh, to, to the nation of Israel. And let's go back and just reread this and kind of get a picture for what's going on. He says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed in the sun and moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. I have just throw this out there, that those twelve stars being the nations of Israel, the twelve tribes of Israel, all right? Um, and she being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be a delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. Um, And we know in in verse number nine uh, that that serpent, that old dragon, that red dragon rather, is the devil. Okay. And that describes the warfare that's taking place uh, against the nation of Israel, against the Savior that has taken place for thousands of years. Um, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to earth and Uh, And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child, all right, and who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Let me just pause right here. As we're going through the timeline, you can kind of see it that the nation of Israel came about. And the 12 tribes were there. And that dragon is warring with the nation of Israel and warring with the, uh, with, with the coming child that will come, the Savior. And then he, of course, is born. Uh, and we see that and, and the devil is not happy about that. And I want you to notice that uh, it, it jumps really quick and it goes that he was born and that he was caught up into heaven. Hey, listen, our Savior came to this earth. He lived on this earth for 33 and a half years, roughly, uh, died. He lived a sinless life, a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again from the dead. And what happened? If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 40 days or I might be off on that. Uh, but, but afterwards, you go to the book of Acts and what happens? He's standing there talking with his disciples. And what happens? I would have loved to have been there. He ascended right up into heaven out of their sight. And, and, and. They, they watch him, and I, I, this is just how I imagine it, is that he just slowly started to rise and rose slowly, just right out of his, and into the clouds and disappeared, and his disciples just stand there, and I would have been the same way, mouth gaped open, and just like they, just, like they didn't even believe their eyes. And like, what on earth just happened? And, and then the angel that is there, the Bible says, you men of Galilee, and I'm going to paraphrase, I don't remember exactly, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Saying, hey, this same Jesus, which you saw, he's going to come again. And, and and it affirms that Jesus Christ went up into heaven. It affirms that Jesus Christ is going to come again. And so he did, he went up into heaven, the Bible says. And and I want you to notice from there, uh, it It kind of jumps straight into the tribulation period and it skips that whole church age, if I can say it that way. Which, by the way, should not surprise us because of this. The the Old Testament saints that studied prophecy, they did not see the Savior as a sacrificial lamb of God that would come to this world. You remember the disciples, they asked, wilt thou now set up thy kingdom? They were like, "Let's, man, we are tired of this yoke of bondage of the Roman government that is over top of us." By the way, the Jews think it is uh, it is unlawful for anybody that is not a Jew to rule over top of them. And so, uh, so man, they, they struggled being in bondage underneath the Roman government. They did not like it. Matter of fact, the Romans were privy to that. And that's why many times they would put a, a Jewish uh, person, somebody that had some kind of line to Jewish Judaism over top of them as their king. But nonetheless, uh, they the disciples were saying, hey, we want we want you to set up your kingdom. I mean, they were following Jesus because, man, a new kingdom is coming. Are you kidding me? Uh, That millennial reign that's talked about in the Old Testament, they were ready to go to war. That's why when Jesus was in the garden, hey, Peter had his sword. I'll go to war with you, Jesus. Because that kingdom is going to be set up even though he told them, I must die and I must be buried. It went whoop right over their head. And they said, I don't know what he's talking about because he's going to set up his kingdom. We know. We read it. We saw it in Scripture. It's been prophesied. They've taught it for thousands of years. We know what's going to take place. So that's what they were looking for. And so it's no wonder to us. By the way, if you read the Old Testament, you don't really see a church in the Old Testament pictures. Um, you can find it if you know it's there. But if, you're, if you just have the Old Testament, you and I would have been just as clueless as those disciples. And so it jumps from there in verse number six, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God. And this speaks of the nation of Israel being in persecution during the tribulation time. And the time that is mentioned is is the three and a half years that God will will protect uh, some. There is a remnant of the nation of Israel. We talked about the hundred and forty four thousand Jews uh, in chapter whatever chapter it was, uh, going back. Um, God will have some Jews and he will have people that he will protect. That's why I believe all of this is the nation of Israel. Let me, let's just run a timeline, the chronology here, through the rest of the chapter, uh, chapter 12. That's important to have. That's foundational to the book of Revelation. And, and from, from chapter 12 and verse number uh, 7 on out is really a chronological timeline of what is taking place. And so let's look at it. He says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels. It's real picturesque. It's very easy reading and understanding. And prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So the devil was kicked out of heaven. And the great dragon blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Let me just pause here and say in verse 10 and 11 that there are those who will be saved in the tribulation period. The far and few between. Uh, I don't believe it'll be an overwhelming number, but there are those who are saved during the tribulation period. If we're following this as a chronological timeline, Satan is kicked out of heaven. Could you imagine uh, the, Satan is in heaven? He's, right now, he's accusing the brethren. Um, but could you imagine Satan being unleashed on this earth? And, and the amount of, of confusion, terror, and, and destruction that would take place. Because the Bible calls him a murderer from the beginning. And and he will destroy people uh, as much as he is allowed or given leash to, and and so we find that uh, that he will be t- he'll come to this earth. But there are some who are saved. Let's pick it up in verse number twelve as we read through this. Therefore, they're talking about the salvation and those who have overcome by the blood of the lamb. Therefore, rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And so that is the nation of Israel. That's not the church. Obviously that's not Mary. We find the nation of Israel is again persecuted by the devil. And the woman excuse me, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood of the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so much of that is pretty self-explanatory as you follow through that. There is this uh, current of war that's going on between the devil, between the uh, remnants of the nation of Israel, the seed that are left behind, and there is that persecution that will take place that God will uh, also protect his remnant. By the way, it mentions the uh, wings of eagles and if you, if you read your Bible or if you've been in church very long, uh, surely you've heard this verse, Isaiah forty thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And, uh, and we see that kind of played out in this passage here in verse number 14. As the devil would pursue uh, this woman and the remnant, as he said there, of her seed. And uh, and so uh, there is still that warfare that will take place. And uh, the devil knows his time is short and he knows that he doesn't have much time. He's not omniscient, but he's not dumb either. Um, Sometimes we think, well, the devil's dumb. No, he's not dumb. He's been around for thousands of years. He he knows how human nature works. He knows how we work. And, uh, And and what he doesn't know is what God has not revealed to him. And God hasn't revealed a lot to him. Uh, but he will know, hey, I don't have much time, and, and this, this world's going to end. And so, boy, he is not going to be happy, and he will uh, unleash all of his wrath that he can pour out on the earth. And so there's going to be that terrible time toward that. That is, I believe, uh, in reference to the second half of the tribulation. And we've looked at really the first half. And boy, there's been a lot of death, there's been a lot of earthquakes, there's been a lot of judgment of God, but boy, that second half of the the tribulation, man, the devil is released. Boy, you talk about uh, a time of war and a time of utter destruction, boy, it's not going to be a pretty thing. And uh, and so it's all coming to a head of a war uh, that will take place, and so... Hopefully that gives you at least a good uh, grasp or a little bit of a grasp of the book of Revelation. And chapter 12 kind of helps us understand more of a a timeline of events that's taking place. And so I hope and pray that that helps you and encourages you. Uh, Praise the Lord. I'll reiterate, man, we're not going to be here. Thank God for that. Uh, We'll get to not that I not that I would enjoy watching, but we will be in heaven. And, uh, and I don't know what we'll get to see. Uh, I'm not much one for uh, death and destruction movies. They're just not my genre, right? Uh, I'm not interested in that. So I don't know if the Lord let us watch it. But I tell you what, I'll tell you this, because sometimes we don't understand this, but God's wrath and judgments are right. Sometimes we look at them, we think, well, they're harsh. No, they're right. They're right. And, and we don't always understand uh, some of the backstory and some of the other things, but the wrath of God will be poured out. Hey, listen, now is the time of His mercy. Now is the time of His grace. And, uh, and we thank God for that. And, and even now, during His time of mercy and His grace, people are like, don't want nothing to do with it. I, I, don't, I don't want God. And, uh, and they'll turn it down. And it's sad uh, because there's coming a day when they might not, by then, the Bible says a great lie will come that they'll be deceived. And and they won't believe it anyway. But boy, what a, what a horrific picture unfolds in the book of Revelation. And so I'm glad uh, that we won't be here for that. And we look forward to that trumpet sounding. We'll be out of here. So praise the Lord for that. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for the book of Revelation. And God, you promised a blessing to those who... Study it. And Father, we're doing the best we can to study it. And so God, we're asking that you would help us to give, give us understanding. Give us hearts and minds and eyes and ears to understand your word and understand the time of tribulation. God, we, may, may we be so thankful and so grateful for your mercy, for your grace that we have right now. God, truly, you are so good to us in allowing us the privilege, the opportunity to be saved, to put our faith and trust in you. God, I I thank you for the fact that we can know that we are saved. God, I pray that you'd bless and encourage each and every believer that's here tonight. Father, if there's one that does not know you, God, I pray that they would turn to you, that they'd put their faith and trust in you and in you alone for salvation. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. Maybe God's spoken to your heart about something. Maybe you just want to pray. Whatever the need, the altar's open.